This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 51, Kids and Agency with Marilee Boyack. Hey, hey, everybody. This is Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend, my co-host. You almost... <laughs> that was good. I was going too fast. We are here as Becky Squared, as your friends, as your cheerleaders, and we're happy to be back with you on another episode of Cultivate a Good Life. And this topic is really awesome, really Real, real awesome. And also, you don't even really, we don't need to introduce Marilee because when you get into, when we get into this conversation that we're about to play back for you, we not only introduce why... We love her so much and have her had her on the show. Why Becky's obsessed with her. Borderline, we gushed too much. Maybe, that was the thing. Maybe. We don't even need to do intro because of the amount of gushing and explaining and bioing. <laughs> so yes. really, yeah. let's just hear a nice review. How let's about that? Let's do that. Okay, so this review comes from Mrs. Town 4 She says, this is seriously my favorite podcast ever. I just, oh, I love just about everything they talk about. The Beckys are so fun, enthusiastic, and genuinely want you to cultivate a good life. I have learned so much from them. Parenting tips, happiness tips, organizing, documenting, strengthening your marriage, and travel tips. I love the episode on documenting travel as well. The Beckys have so much knowledge, love, and, oh, I love that, love, and help to share. I get so excited for Wednesdays when they release new episodes. I literally keep Keep refreshing. You seriously won't be disappointed. Aww. That makes me happy because I, I sure it. don't like disappointing people. No, I don't either. You so know, I'm what really I, glad you're not. I love that she mentioned love. You saw that that caught me off guard because, like, yeah. I hope that that love that we feel for you and for each other and for life really is yeah. emulated through the conversations that we have. And I also love that when I look at who wrote this, Mrs. Town 04, I don't think that I know her personally, but I love that I recognize that name because of our community online. Oh, that's so great. It's like for a lot of years, I recognize that. So anyway, that's thank great. you, Mrs. Town 04. And thank you to everybody leaving your reviews and sharing about the podcast. All right, let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. My dear friend, this is BH and it's just me right now and just for a moment because I need to have this one-on-one moment with you. I consider myself your trusted documenting guru and you know that I have dedicated so much of my life to helping people preserve their memories and document their stories and do something with their pictures. Now I have to assume that you already know about the Project Life app. If you already have it, awesome. If you're actively using it, even better. If you still need to download it, no worries. Just search for Project Life and get that app downloaded on your iPhone, iPad, or Android device now and for free. Okay. What I really want to focus on in this moment and with you is you almost need to pretend that I'm looking at you square in the eyes when I say this. Are you ready? My friend, you need to print your pages. It's one thing to make the pages with incredible ease on your mobile device. We're all obsessed with how easy it is and so thankful for the technology, for sure. The thing is, your pictures and your memories are not meant to be stuck in a device. There's absolutely nothing like holding those completed pages in your hands and sharing them with those you love. The two main ways of printing your pages are number one, printing the individual pages, slipping those into page protectors and keeping those in a three ring album, which of course you can find at shopbeckyhiggins.com or number two, 
you can print skinny little photo books. Isn't that awesome? All of this happens directly through the Project Life app with a few simple taps and the quality will not be better anywhere else. Right there on the home screen, you will see order prints and photo books. You simply tap right there and you will find out for yourself that the ease and convenience and intuitive nature of placing an order is just as awesome as making the pages right there in the app in the first place. It's time, my friend. Get those pages and photo books printed and experience your photos and memories in the very best way. Welcome back, everybody. We are so glad, and I am personally beyond excited for today's guest because she literally changed my motherhood. She's also the reason why you haven't stopped talking about Education Week to me personally. There's, I think you might be right. No, I'm serious. Like when I think of Education Week, I think of Becky and her obsession with Marilee Boyack. It's true. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that though. <laughs> like, is that? Do you know that already? It's a little creepy, but it's okay. I know. I know you're making me sound a little stalkerish. It's a little stalker, but that's totally okay. Maybe it's just the healthiest thing to just embrace is what what I need to do. We can embrace it. Marilee can embrace it. I'm okay with it. It's fine. It's It's not freaky. Why do you love her so much? Tell her. I know why, but. My very first education week, which was probably five, six years ago, I came and I was in a desperate motherhood place of small children and overwhelm. And. I went to a class all about choice and agency in motherhood and helping your children to make good choices, to be empowering them through their power of choice. And it literally gave me permission to be the mother that I wanted to be. And it changed everything. Like from that day forward, I looked at everything differently and I totally let go of what I thought I should be as a mother, Mm -hmm. the expectations I had for these kids that I think unknowingly I was expecting way too much imperfection and I wasn't even seeing my kids and I was causing anxiety in myself anxiety in them it was this vicious cycle and it was just so what I needed that year fun story too I don't know if we've told this one on the podcast I know I've told Becky probably seven to ten times hear it for the 17th time right let's go Mm -hmm. so last year I came to education week and there's a few um speakers that I always want to go to Marilee is one of them Mm -hmm. and Marilee wasn't talking that year last year she was not on the schedule and i was a little personally Rude. devastated because i did monday okay but <laughs> yeah i used to it. not she come monday true right. story okay. my sister-in-law and i changed our flights to come to be here on monday this year for the first time because that was the only day that marilee yeah. was teaching this year <laughs> uh-huh. Good so true. we were there it's true. i'm totally freaking marilee boyack out right no, now i'm sorry okay. she's geeking yeah i am geeking it's i am to such geek a learning geek <laughs> and um anyway so i came and Mary Lee is a cancer survivor like myself, and I had just come through my cancer journey, and I was feeling those nudges like we always talk about, that there was something I was supposed to do, and that all the trauma I went through last year was leading to something, and I was feeling super uncomfortable, which you know gives me strength and empowerment, and I love it so much when I'm afraid. And I was a little devastated because for some reason I was like, I just want to tell Mary Lee that I had cancer and I made it through just like her and I just need to talk to Mary Lee and she wasn't teaching. I was a little devastated. And then I sat down in a class and who came and sat right next to me but Mary Lee Boyack. Tell me. Mary Lee Boyack did. And I literally was like, I was just dying inside. You, you just didn't know. You hardly knew what to say. I No, it was one of those times though where God gives you that little like, hug in the universe of like I am aware of you I love Paying you attention. so much this is yeah. and, and I talked to Marilee about about the book I wanted to write and about the things I was 
thinking I was supposed to do. And that was like the jumping off point for being susceptible, I guess, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. when you asked me to do the podcast and kind of the things that have culminated in my life this year. That happened before I brought up the podcast to you? No, but it happened, um, so it was August. We brought it up in July. It really was right around the same time. So it was like right around that same time where we knew we were doing it, but it wasn't... Oh no! Still a lot it of uncertainty. Definitely not sunk in. Yeah, yeah, and so it it kind of just interesting gave me the courage to be like, "Gosh darn it!" <sighs> if Marilee sits next to me, <laughs> do this. This I can do. <laughs> well, do let's this. give everyone a, a, an even better taste of who Marilee is by letting you introduce yourself. So it's funny. It's funny because we know that the the bio per se is a long one. The bio is a long one. And it's I mean, super Hardly because I'm old. Okay, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. No, really. Like, I, I don't know many 80-year-olds who have done as much as you have done. And this isn't about... I like, am so not 80. Let's clarify. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm, I'm merely 61. You couldn't do what I you've done in four lifetimes, so... No, that's what I was trying to say. You said it yes. better than I said. I, I just don't think that most people have quite accomplished nearly as much as you have in your, in your left pinky. Um, but, you know, it's not even about accolades and checking the boxes you've really taken what you have knowledge of and experience with and passion for and you've you've just acted on it that's my impression is that you've just taken action and you've taken opportunities to do these things so what's the best way to um, outline some of those things that you are passionate about known for experienced Mm -hmm. with Um, partly I was kind of born this way uh, I, um, I run across things that I wrote when I was a small child and there was this sense inside that there were important things that I needed to do in this life, which was interesting because I was a complete train wreck. Um, <laughs> really? Uh, oh, severe anxiety, depression. I was a complete train wreck. Um, you didn't know childhood. that at the time though. That's not even th- something that was talked about. Though. No, I just knew I had a tummy ache constantly. It was a oh. mess. So yeah, that was, uh, my childhood was kind of a time of gaining strength, right? And facing fears and trying things. Um, And I think sometimes God takes us on a path like that, that isn't the easy path, but is the hard one and and is building strength. So uh, let's see, grew up in Detroit, um, went off to Brigham Young University for college. Uh, After that, we settled in California. Um, We have four sons, they are now all adults, and it's awesome. <laughs> I tell you, this whole empty nester thing, all these women are like, boo-hoo, so not. Man, it is it is awesome. I love having adult kids. That's so great. It's been great. I, I've loved every phase, but, you know, adult kids is awesome. Are you, you a grandmother you get grandkids. Also? Yeah, I have yeah. Uh, uh, two Ugh. grandkids. So, yeah, and, and five grand doggies. There's something wrong with that picture. <laughs> but anyway, that's been cool. Um, professionally, uh, I am an attorney. I'm an estate planning attorney. Uh, I crafted my own law practice. I have worked out of my home for 30 years. Um, Pause. Yeah. You crafted. I love it. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. We you talk crafted. about that, creating your own space. And oh, absolutely. Something hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. And nobody had done that. Mm-hmm. You know, working at home as a lawyer was like, and, and as a woman, um, I remember wow. being pregnant, one of my clients saying, how did that happen? And I said, dude, if I have to explain it, we got issues. <laughs> you know, so I wanted to wrap my work around my family yeah. um, and what I wanted Brilliant. my family to look like. And so I worked part-time as a lawyer, um, started doing a lot of community activism because I love making a difference in the world. So I've done a ton of that. 
um, which led to politics, which has always been an interest of mine. Uh, so I've done a number of political things. I've been in politics for over 30 years. Um, and I do mostly grassroots. I did hold elective office. Uh, I was on the city council down in the San Diego area for eight years. Uh, but I do a lot of grassroots uh, work. Um, decided to start speaking here at Education Week. That was always a goal. I remember one time sitting in the Madsen, listening to a woman speak, thinking, I can do that. Mm. And by the next year, applied and was speaking. Um, and built that. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in pff, give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. What's the worst shot. that can happen? Give it you a shot. You fail and you learn something. Right. So totally. I did and got in and, and have built that. And then people kept, you know, griping about where's my book. So I finally sat down and started writing books. So you um, had not written a, bo- a book to that point. So mm-mm. you were speaking before you had written a book. Oh, yeah. I'd been speaking for quite a long time. Okay. And, and I so, just didn't stop the crazy of my life long enough to write. So I finally started writing about 15 years ago. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Did you feel inclined to write a book before people were bugging you about always. it? Always. Okay. So you've always known that always. that was You was had something. that book always. that you knew was going to like Well, happen. and I thought I was going to write the great novel. I loved Leon Uris, you know, growing up, and I wanted to write that. But then the older I got, the more I enjoyed telling people what to do. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm really good at it. So I thought, sweet, you know, I'll do. And so self-help, inspirational, has really been a wonderful genre for me. Uh, so I've published 13 books now. Um, currently, we, we were in California 32 years, moved to Utah about six years ago, which has been a whole new experience for a Detroit girl. Yeah. And uh, love it here. Oh, my gosh. Love, love, love. And got back into politics here. Uh, so currently, uh, I added another job into my life. Well, I, thank goodness, because I'd yeah. really hate to think you. I have didn't want like to get minute. bored. Exactly. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah I didn't really want to get bored. bored. Okay, so really funny story, real quick. I woke up one morning, 3 a.m. I was praying to God, trying to find out what I was supposed to do here in Utah, and because um, I'd been really active in the pro-family movement down in California for many years, and I thought, I'm in Utah. What do I do here? And I wake up at 3 a.m. with the direct prompting in my head. You're Margaret Thatcher, not Mother Teresa. Oh, I love that. And I'm that. like, huh? <laughs> so I sit up. I literally sat up, 3 a.m., and I thought, what? And I hear it again. You are Margaret Thatcher, not Mother Teresa. And I thought, what are you talking about? I really fast and responded to God, what can I say? And I was asleep. <laughs> and he says again, you are Margaret Thatcher. I have given you a certain set of skills. Get back to work. And I thought, Okay. And then I thought, well, can't I be Mother Teresa? I was like, yeah, just a little bit, though, because this right. is your main work. So I went wow. dove back into politics. So wow. um, mm-hmm. I now have the job of executive director of Family Watch International. We're a global nonprofit, so I work and lobby with uh, delegates from the United Nations. I go to the United Nations. Uh, we work with governments all over the world. Um, and uh, we protect the family and protect the innocence of children and the right to life. Very big issues for us. Um, so I also help run a national coalition to protect children. Uh, I created a state coalition in the state of Utah called the Empowered Families Coalition, and we work to protect family here. And two months ago, I launched the Abortion Free Utah campaign to end elective abortion in the state of Utah and to empower women um, to have their babies and um, to uh, and for the babies to have life. You know, that's a huge issue for me right now. So, yeah. Wow. And so then a few other million things. But I And I say. gave up cooking. It was <laughs> oh, awesome. Good. Gave Aww. it up entirely. So I'm like in heaven right now. My husband learned to bake bread. 
about a month ago, and I'm just in heaven. I gotta I, say. I gotta ask you about that. What do you mean? Like in a like in an instant? Like overnight? You were like, I'm done. It's official. I'm out on cooking. Well, when I got this job offer yeah. to add another job onto the law practice and the reading or writing, mm-hmm. and then I speak all over the country, and yeah. I said, I, <laughs> I'm full. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't have enough bandwidth. And I said, I, I can only take this job if you take over the cooking. He said, yeah, like you've been doing a lot of cooking. I said, well, I know. <laughs> That's beside the point. It's the brain space. I don't have brain space to take care of this. And he said, okay. And so he just took it over. That's awesome. He is ridiculously supportive of every single thing I do. You are blessed. Yeah, you know that, are. though. Oh, yeah. And God picked out this guy and said, here he is. He will support. And, and his, the three words he gives me every time I come up with a hairbrain thing, go for it. Oh, don't you love that? I love it. I think it. if I was married to anyone else, yeah. well, I don't think I could be married to anyone else. Like, I think Heavenly Father was like, this is the one human being yeah. who could probably put up with you and also give you wings when you need it and hold you down when you need it. I also... I think it maybe is like, oh, he's the greatest. He, I'm so thankful. Yeah. And a wonderful a message to our me children on. as well. Every time they come up with their constant parade of harebrained ideas. Yeah. To just say, go for it. Give it a try. Mm-hmm. What's interesting when you said that is I was thinking, you know, there are a lot of people listening who wish that their husband were that supportive, right? We can't... That, that, it's it not doesn't always happen. Correct. Right, it's not everybody's situation. But something that we can control is the ability to say that to ourselves. Oh, yeah. I mm-hmm. do. It's called mirror therapy. It's super cheap. Okay. <laughs> tell, tell me about it. I stand it. in front of the mirror and I say, go for it. You can do this. You've got right. this, girl. I do mirror therapy quite I often. I love it. <laughs> okay. I literally am writing this down before mirror. we dive into our topic let me tell you the other thing i wrote down i love this (laughs) before we even like we're recording we're just chatting with marilee and you said two things that i'm like i where's my notebook where's my notebook i will write this down we were talking about i don't know why but we were talking about perfectionism and i looked at her i mean i don't know why that came up certainly not because someone in the room was but it came up i was probably finicking with the sound quality something for example marilee and i only met you and becky have been friends but we only met today and so I said, well, you, I mean, surely you have perfectionist tendencies as well. Don't we all? And she looked at me and said, nope, not really. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, what is this concept? (laughs) I kind of just assumed that everyone has those perfectionist tendencies. And you said, I'm a big fan of what? Good enough. Good enough. It's in my notebook. I'm going to put it in vinyl lettering on my kitchen Stitch wall. It on that. So I'm a like I dust like every three weeks. It's good enough. I blow yeah. off the big chunks the rest of the time. No, I dust a little more often, but not much. <laughs> it's good enough. Well, the other thing that you said is it. just because I can doesn't mean I should. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that unrelated to the topic we're about to discuss but i'm just telling you i already feel all this just wisdom and i thank you for sharing your message and i think that it's totally as a child what you had no idea i mean you had like these inklings but you would have had no idea that you were going to be able to impact so many people with being willing to look in the mirror and say go for it yeah and i think that that's a message that i hope everyone will feel for themselves yeah before we even get into the topic at hand is like do that do as Marilee does. Look in the mirror and say it to yourself. Yes, do it. Go for it. Yeah. Try. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Knock yourself out. Yeah. Knock yourself out. Yeah. What's worse that can happen? Yeah, what is the worst? You fail yeah. and you learn something. Great. Right? Totally great. You celebrate your failure mm-hmm. and you move on. Exactly. Everything yep. works together, right? So... The topic at hand. Topic at hand. So I love that. That only took us thirty-seven segue. minutes to get here, but it's fine. I'm just. Kidding. We're trying to keep Marilee here as long as humanly possible. We are. I'm afraid she might never sit next to me in a class ever again. It's all after good. Becky spilled my secret of adoration <laughs> for her, but um, 
I love that you you kind of tied in the go for it because really that's at the heart of kind of this message of giving your children the power to make choices. And one term we use in our house a lot is to fail safely. Failing safely mm-hmm. is the best ever, right? You you make choices and you have successes and you have failures and you learn how to fail and you learn how to fail and do it well and learn from it and pick yourself up and move on. So tell us a little bit about kind of how you started talking about this topic, um, if it was something in your motherhood, kind of what this means to you. I began talking about training children to be independent. That uh, was hugely important because as an estate planning attorney, I would see families with adult children living in their home still. In Utah, they call them basement children, but we didn't have basements in <laughs> San Diego. They were just living in the house, you know. And, and I, children in I could Arizona. see that, and, and I saw this whole generation of entitled children coming up the pipe, right? Mm-hmm. And I saw my neighbor kids just being spoiled rotten. And I thought, yeah, no, not going to happen. Um, and, and as we really worked hard to train our children to be independently, and we did it very consciously. I have a written plan in my, you know, my first book. Uh, we did it very consciously and intentionally. I realized that part of that training was to allow them to screw up. Mm-hmm. And that, in fact, that was sometimes the best learning that they would experience. And so we really um, began to kind of explore that whole failure cycle, right? Yeah. And and allow them. That and, and, um, you know, part of our Christian background is this whole um, agency, this gift from God to choose between right and wrong. And so from, you know, a religious aspect as well, we wanted to teach our children to choose the right. Um, and in order to choose the right, they had to screw up and choose the wrong a lot so that they realized that right was a whole lot better. Uh, I know in my, my own growing up, I had older sisters that made a lot of bad choices. And I remember when I was growing up going, yeah, no, not going to happen because I had seen the consequences. But even experience was even better. Um, and I can remember, uh, you know, my kids saying, well, don't you want me to be happy? And I'd say, that's your choice. You know, I want you to be righteous and productive and hardworking and, you know, all these other things. Um, It was a very different model from what was going on with all the other parents who were going around, wrapping bubble wrap around their children, trying to be their best friend, making them constantly happy. And I watched them do all that thinking, you're going to reap the whirlwind. This is going to be bad. And now we are seeing, no offense to your generation, we're seeing a whole generation that has been impacted by that type of parenting, and mm. the consequences are severe. I think part of, um, and we've we've talked about this and touched touched on this a little bit in the podcast before. I think at the heart of of chasing after having your kids be happy and missing the things that actually create true happiness in human beings, you know, being self assured and and having the positive benefits of hard work and learning how to accomplish things independently, and and that's how you create true happiness. But I know for myself. In the beginning, um, when my kids failed, especially if they were failing publicly, I mean, how many times as a mom have you said to yourself, like, why is it always my kids? Like, why are my kids the one who show up at church with no shoes on and no one realized it? Why is my kid the one who's drawing on the wall? Or We always feel like it's our kids. And I started to become afraid of my kids failing Honestly, I'm just going to lay it out there, not because I was afraid for them, but because I was afraid what it made me look like and then how I internalized that to my worth as a mother if I had the kid with no shoes on. Like I needed to fix what was going on inside of me 
to detach my self-worth from having visually perfect children. And I say visual because obviously it didn't really mean anything that they had no shoes on except we were all rushed, which was the truth. But I had a really hard time being able to like sit with that imperfect process of failure. Well, and and detaching your self-worth from your children. Because we look at children sometimes as product development. And if they're Mm. defective, then it was our fault. Right. Right. Interesting. Or if they're screwing up, it's our fault. Because we're into this product development mode instead of I'm training. Yeah. And... Yeah, it, but it's it's hard, I think, for women. We're trained to be emotional housekeepers. I once read that in a book. I thought that was so great. You know, we're trained to make everything look perfect, mm-hmm. um, that we have to take away frustration, sadness, for, you know, any of those things um, so that we're a good emotional housekeeper. And, and it's interesting because men are not trained that way. Mm-hmm. And so men, their kids screw up. They're like, ah, my kid screwed up, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and they look to us. You know, and I mean, we're just like, oh. You know, yeah. I, I feel guilty, guilty, guilty. Mm. Hard to detach that. Why do you, why do you think we, uh, generally speaking, because this, this doesn't have to apply to every single person, but why do you think we as mothers tend to look at our children and the result of our children's choices as product development? I had never thought of it that way before, and I'm wondering. I'm sitting here well, being, and you see it. So you see the, the moms and dads that are racing around, and their kids are in, you know, they're in soccer, and they're in piano, and they're in you know, da, 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 da. And they've got like 22 activities and they're running around and they're, you know, want them in the best schools and, and, and they're into product development. I mean, when you so look at that. societally, very that's much why. Culturally. Is that what you're saying? It's just very a cultural, cultural and societal thing that happens because of just where we are. Right. We're okay. swept up in this worldly definition of success yes. mm-hmm. that looks a certain way, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's funny because now at my age, uh, women get together and they go, oh, so, you know, what are your kids doing? You know, well, my kid's a doctor and my kid's a lawyer and my kid's a, you know, right. and, uh, you know, it's hard to say, well, my kid's a pot farmer. You know, I mean, you know, yeah. not too many people are willing to to own that. And, and, and it is very much looked at in that way. And, and that makes it hard because their failures become personalized that they're your failures. Mm-hmm. So do you think that it could be as simple as us just acknowledging that that's something that just exists? Yep. It's a neutral thing that in yep. this world, in this society, in this culture, that that's just how it is. Yeah. But maybe the key is just for us to acknowledge that, and then that helps us to just take more ownership of well, stepping I think, out of that mentality? I think we can consciously choose Um, so when we look at raising our kids, we really were focused on that end goal. We wanted independent, capable, good hearted, um, adult children. And then you start to look at everything you do. Will this lead to that? Mm -hmm. And so in terms of letting them make mistakes, letting them make choices and letting them feeling the consequences of the choices, you have to really internalize that and realize that that is going to get them there. That if you remove the consequences of their behavior all the time and make them happy and make everything perfect, they will not get there. Mm. Um, We're seeing it right now. We were just discussing it. My husband and I were just discussing it this morning on this drive to remove all college debt. You're removing all the consequences of behavior. What are you teaching them? And I ask that over and over again. What am I teaching my children? 
What am I teaching my children? You know, if I go in and write that paper for them at the last minute because they put it off, what am I teaching them? If I run and do the wash because they forgot to wash their PE uniform, what am I teaching them? And every time you remove those consequences, you're teaching them someone will bail them out. It doesn't pay to make an effort, right? That they're not capable, that they can't do it, so you have to always fix it and bail them out. Women do all the cleanup and the dirty work. I mean, there's a lot of yeah, bad things. Yeah, there's a lot of messaging that goes along a with A lot that. of bad messaging going on when hmm. we remove the consequences. Mm-hmm. I feel like, too, um, as parents, again, I'm just going to talk about myself because, you know, I'm fine being open with, with whatever I've ever gone through. But I think I was really uncomfortable with my kids being unhappy. Um, and I was playing a short game. Mm-hmm. I was fixing the today Mm-hmm. Oh, well, he didn't do a paper or this didn't happen. Okay, I'm just going to do it so that right now I don't have to be uncomfortable. Correct. Because watching your kids suffer consequences it is easy. hard. I don't know very many parents who are like joyfully watching no. their kids go through pain and heartache. Yeah. And I needed to get past that. I needed to stop playing the short game of like I needed to be comfortable with the discomfort of letting them fail. And even as we're recording this, um, my son – is actually in his freshman year of high school, and he's running for student government this week, which is kind of a big deal. Like, that's a big, um, a Bless big him. deal. Bless him. Early political involvement. Right? I love it. And I'm not, I mean, I really encourage this. Like, you have to get involved. Like, you need love to put yourself out there. And, um, hashtag vote for Weston. Hashtag <laughs> vote for Weston. Proud fit for freshman class secretary. <laughs> but we, before I left for education, we, we were making all his signs, and... I knew the next day he was going to have to go get him approved and get him hung in places that would be good. And I was going to have literally no input on any of this. Talk about discomfort because this kid's coming from a small school, going to a very large school. So it's already going to be a very hard race. He is likely not going to get elected. Totally fine. We've talked through that. But the level of discomfort of like, he's probably going to fail this week. And I really would like to fix this. And I really would like to give him every advantage possible. And then it's, it's been the best thing for me to physically remove myself from the situation because had I have been in that house, I don't know that I could have stopped myself. But are you like I'm still practicing this, like being yeah. able to like oh, distance uh, myself. So it's the, the kids are in their thirties. I'm still working on it. I totally oh get totally. It. And totally. so it's kind of it's it's this game of of looking at your long term goals, mm-hmm. being able to be uncomfortable in the moment, and letting your kids fall flat on their faces. In the and, very best way. You know, and, and, and then you can, um, you know, after that happens, say, what did you learn from this? You know, well, it was horrible. I know. But what did you learn from this? What, did, what was positive of this? What did you gain from this? Uh, one woman uh, said every day they came home for dinner and the, and the dad would say, how did you fail today? Mm. And what did you learn from it? I'm mm. like, dang, I would have stolen that if yes. I knew yes. about it. So and I think I may steal it. And the whole family is like, what accomplishments did you have today, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they're celebrating. And instead, this father was reinforcing the learning process that came yeah. from adversity. And so she thought she could take on the world. Because like, hard stuff? You bet. Own it. And and I thought, what a, what a great mindset. I mean, we don't want to encourage failure. I'm not saying that. Um, but I think the, the learning process, that messy part of growing up is so fundamental. And if yeah. we clean up all those messes, then they make really, really big messes when, when the stakes are high, because Ooh, yeah. I don't think that that's a lesson that can be avoided. It can just be delayed. And at some point I'm not going to college helping my son hang a poster. 
Mm-hmm. And at some point, he's going to have to know how to do whatever himself, write a paper, make his own lunch, do his own laundry, whatever that thing is. And, and I am seeing even just people in our generation, it's not that the failures aren't happening, but they're happening later in life and the stakes are bigger. Hmm. Oh, this whole drive to socialism has its fundamental root in parenting that removed consequences. So all this push for millennials to have socialism where the government just takes care of everything, right? Where do you think that stems from? They've Mm. lived that way. They're used to the government taking care of everything or their parents, which they perceive, um, and that could effectively destroy our nation. Uh, So, yeah, the stakes get really high, don't they? They do get high. So what do you feel um, when we're thinking about agency? And because we we do know and understand the benefits to having – um, agency truly practiced, right? But what, when you break it down, what are some of those practical ways to help us better understand? Right, so, so there's some elements to agency. First of all, they have to have a choice. Um, if you present something to a child and they really have no choice, you know, it's like, well, this or this, you know, to, to a five-year-old, well, I'm going to leave you home. No, you're not. <laughs> right. No, you're <laughs> they not. They can call that right out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can be tempted to do so, but alas, legally, you're not, and the child's going to say, right. So that's not really a choice. So mm-hmm. when, when we're offering choices to children, they have to be real choices um, where they have real alternatives. And they have to know the consequences of, of the choice. And there have to be consequences from both, okay? So you can choose to you know, spend uh, all of your money on this toy, or you can save your money so that you can go to the movie with your friends. So we have consequences. So they see the consequences to those choices. They know what they are. They're clear. And then they can choose. And so especially with uh, some of my children were a little more difficult than others, shall we say. And with the more difficult child, children, um, (laughs) he knows who he is, own it, Uh, over and over and over again, rather than me saying, you will do this, or this is the rule, or whatever, I would say, well, you can choose this, or you can choose that. And he would make the wrong choice often, and then those consequences would hit, and and he'd say, why do I do this? (laughs) Why do I keep making the wrong choice? I say, you know, I really don't know. And and we had to do that over and over and over and over again, even into his adult years, so that because that was the only way he learned was by experiencing those choices. So, um, you know, with our children, we've got to be clear. They've got to have alternatives that are real. And then that hard part is let the consequence follow. We have to let those consequences hit. So if they miss the school bus, then they walk to school. If they, you know don't wash their clothes and they're filthy and they have to wear them, then they wear them. And that's the hard part. The social consequences of that are the best teachers. And it is challenging to do that if you're perceiving or if the truth is Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter that you're the only one parenting that way. So my sister says to her daughter, you finish your chores. um, And if you didn't, you had to work all day. And so she, the girl didn't and went trotted off to school. And so my sister goes over to the school and says, I'm checking out my daughter. And they said, why? This is Attila the Hun, California. And (laughs) she said, she didn't get her chores done. She has to come home and work. And the lady's like, well, that's an unexcused absence. She said, okay. (laughs) So they go and get the girl. And and as she's taking her out, the receptioner says, bless you. I wish more parents would do that. Mm, And she took her home. The girl was mortified because she had to trot in through the office, right? And she worked all day long cleaning the house. Guess what never happened again? That. 
the children Not once <laughs> did that ever happen again. And now she's a great, you know, mother you know, of four. You know, here's the thing that I also find, and I'm sure you guys can relate to this as well, is that because we've all had experience with parenting um, in a way we've had, or we've at least had moments where we were more frantic and like angry about a situation of choice, for example, and, and just kind of like had our feathers ruffled versus, well, the consequence is what it is. Correct. Very matter of fact. Very matter of fact. And what I have found with that is that I feel so much more calm, Mm -hmm. peaceful. I feel like I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I'm not like, I'm not, frazzled about anything because it's your choice like your choice your consequence and it's natural so sorry babe like well and that's the way the world is the world doesn't care about you I mean it's that simple you're Mm -hmm. gonna go to a job nobody is going to be personally offended if you make a bad choice or if you don't do your job it's very okay well thank you for your time and we no longer need you nobody cares The world doesn't owe you anything. And so the world's feathers are not going to get ruffled at your lack of showing up mm-hmm. as, as a competent human being. Right. And so to model that as a parent is such, I, I feel like it's such an important thing. I wanted Mary Lee to tell a story because when you break this down to like, okay, we understand this is important, but in daily practice, like what does this look like? And she told a story about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Ooh. Can you, would you mind telling that story? Cause I you think bet. this is like the I don't even start. Think you shared it with me. To me, this yeah. was like, cause this has happened to me. Okay. And this was like agency 101. So we're. How to start it when they're we're young. We're training and teaching our children. And I taught them how to cook at very young ages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very, very young ages. Cause I didn't like it. So <laughs> I'm in a meeting with two women. I called them Martha Stewart one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, and in walks my three-year-old son, Tanner. And he had just learned how to make peanut butter sandwiches. So he goes over to the pantry, he gets it out, he lays the bread on the floor and then (laughs) pulls everything out and starts to make it. And I see this going on out of the corner of my eye. And these women are having a heart attack. I mean, they are just like visibly jumping in their chairs. And I'm just smiling, going on with our meeting, you know. And finally he gets done and the one lady couldn't stand it and said, Merrily! do you know that your son has just made a peanut butter sandwich on the floor? And I turned to him and I said... Tanner, oh, that's awesome. Good for you. I said, he just learned how. I said, is it good? And, you know, he's chewing. It's got ash and dirt, you know, (laughs) fiber. It's just fiber. And, you know, he's smiling. And I said, bring the doggy in to clean up the floor. And, you know, and, and he was just so excited. And they were just blown away. And I thought, what if I had chewed on him and said, Oh, you idiot didn't I teach you better and you know I can't you shouldn't have you climbed on the and, counter and you yeah. embarrassed me in front of my friends and, you know what I mean what if I'd done that that would have been the end of it I'll tell you um, I would have been making peanut butter sandwiches till he was 40 so uh <laughs> and and it was interesting because here are these two women one had four boys just like me and she used to brag that she would teach her children how to make their bed when they left for college and oh. I remember thinking to myself cute. you're a horrible mother <laughs> <laughs> I just like oh my goodness and and her children had severe failure to launch. Go figure, right? Hmm. Um, and and so it, it was a good lesson in just the consequences. And sometimes the consequences aren't that big a deal. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, terrible. No, you know, it's okay. It's so really, okay. like in that moment, you were celebrating a win is what you were doing, oh, yeah. right? Yes. Because he he was winning. He was making a sandwich. He okay, had a problem. Forget about the details, right? Forget he was the- hungry. He had yeah. a problem. He looked for a solution on his own. Yeah. He tried a new skill that he probably wasn't that sure of and he handled his business. Right. 
I think we have far too much information. If we would all stop watching 2020 in Dateline <laughs> and reading insane articles about Ebola on floors, we all just need to calm the heck it's down. Okay. We've all eaten dirt and, you know what I mean? We grew up in such a different way, but we all knew how to make our dang peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how many times do we look at our kids and, and say, oh, no, 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 honey, you can't. No, honey, you're going to get hurt. You know, my daughter, and this was actually brought up in the last class we were in, she has this habit. She's six, and because she's the last of four, I mean, she's basically raising herself. Let's just say that. You know, she has all of us around but is fiercely independent because survival of the fittest in our home. That's mm-hmm. how it goes. She will pull over a chair um, to get a cup down, and she'll get her dirty little hobbit feet that she's been running around, and she'll climb on the counters and get her little thing down, and for the longest time – because I have a real counter thing. For the longest time, it just made me sick. I was like, her feet are on the counter. I can't even. But then I just looked at her one day, and I was like, you are six, and you make your own lunch. You She's do doing all it. these things. Yeah. And so I want to give all you moms out there the moment that I had the first time when Marilee shared that story. It's okay. It's you have okay. permission to, for your kids to eat dirt and be barefoot it's all good. and fail and even maybe fall off the counter when they're trying to get a cup one time. It's okay. It's okay. It's all fine. And, and it's really interesting because I, you know, because I've been doing this for a long time, I see the other end of that story. And so I get clients in, like I said, you know, with kids still living in the home. And I remember one particular case, both of the parents um, were failing and had to move in with the other uh, one daughter. Um, and the son who had lived in their home was 55 and had never held a full-time job. Oh, and he, wow. there was no room in the inn in she, sister lived in a double wide and he's living out of his car because the parents never had those consequences hit of this is what it's like to be an independent person. This is what it's like to learn these skills and, and, and life is hard and you're going to overcome that and you learn those coping skills and you learn how to get over hard stuff. And so one of the things I always give a lecture to my uh, clients that find themselves in this position, I talk about the Garden of Eden and I said, you know, when the choice was made and that was a choice that was made and the consequences had been outlined before the choice clearly then God didn't say, oh, hang out. It's hard out there. It's a lot harder now than it was in my day, you know, and let me just help you out for a little while. No, he sent them and drove them out of the garden. Why? Because he knew that the only way they could become independent people um, and experience those choices was to have the consequences hit. And he sent them off on their way, which, you know, led to their learning and led to the human race. And so I I always say to them, so do you want to act like God? You know, and they're like, (laughs) <laughs> and and I had I just t- spoke to a woman yesterday, and she said, uh, "Yeah, you know, I have problems with my daughter, and and she's a heroin addict." And I said, "Oh, that's really hard." And uh, and then she said, um, "You know, I always have to bail her out." Hmm. And I said, "Oh, wrong answer. Whoops, wrong answer." I said, "How old is she? She's thirty eight. She's living at home. She's pregnant." And I said, "Stop." bailing her out stop it because how else will she learn and i told her this story and i said i understand it's really hard when they're drug addicts because they could die right and that one ooh, that's hard you gotta you know that's hard but she will never change if mom keeps doing this and i've met parent after parent that enables and and babies and pays for everything and bails them all out and it starts when they're three 
with that mindset in your head of, oh, I got to make them happy. I don't want anything hard to happen. I don't want my children to suffer. And, and I don't want to sound cold hearted. Um, but instead, I want you focused on the long term goal. Mm. And, and then, you know, we can be wonderful and nurturing and say, you, look, you overcame this and this and this. Look how you handled this hard thing. You can do hard things. Look, at, you have great resiliency. Look how you bounced back from that adversity. I mean, we can give wonderful, empowering statements to encourage our children as they encounter this hard stuff. And you'll watch them. They'll just blossom and go, oh, yeah, I, you know, I already did this, and it was hard. And I said, this is nothing compared to what you've already You're right. This is nothing. And, oh, my gosh, you breed con, you know, just these confident kids who really have ability to overcome and bounce back and deal with things. And, and those mistakes become smaller and smaller and smaller because they've learned how to deal with that stuff. It's, it's a big difference. You know, it makes me think of um, how the strategy isn't just to navigate our way through this with the kids and just, you know, act in our parenting wisdom and whatever, but to also tell our kids what we're doing. So when you were talking oh, yeah. earlier on about, which, and we talk about that a lot, begin with the end in mind. What is the ultimate goal here? Where do we want our kids to go what do we want them to be like if we talk to our kids that way and let them know listen like here here are your choices this is the agency you're going to make choices there will be consequences but at the end of the day I'm just thinking about your potential oh yeah I'm thinking about how amazing even more amazing you're going to be and when we have those conversations with the kids I think they understand and feel more of our investment in them and our caring for them I totally agree and I think they kind of own it like oh yeah I'm going to be this really, you know, capable yeah. adult. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and they see their other friends, you know, being baby, baby, baby. And my, my, my kids would say all the time, Oh my gosh, they're such babies. You know, they begin to see that very early, the difference. And, and I say, Oh yeah, we're training you to be awesome. You know? Oh yeah. You know? Oh, I love that. We're training you to be awesome. Well, yeah. and you can't be awesome. Let's go back to Adam and Eve. They couldn't have been awesome and the whole human race yeah. could not have happened. Hello. And the potential Bit of a problem there, wasn't it? Been, yeah. It would have been a problem. But that potential that we all have, the potential mm-hmm. that they had, could not be reached and cannot be reached if we aren't messing up. And think about your own life. Think about the, the biggest growth you've experienced. Yeah. It was doing the hard stuff. It, it was wasn't hard. like, right. oh, man, I had a three easy years. Those were great. I grew so much. <laughs> Never, right? Yeah. It was, oh, yeah, the year I had, you know, cancer. And then exactly. I had all those surgeries. And then I had this and I had that. And my husband lost his job. And mm-hmm. that's where you grew. Yeah. Um, and why would we deprive our children of these growth opportunities? You know, we'd be terrible parents if we said, oh, yeah, let's just make it really squishy comfortable until you leave home. And then good luck. The whole world's going to hit and it's going to be hard. And it's going to be so much worse. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, the world is not going to care. Yeah. And if we can teach them these little choices and the natural consequences that follow, it's not that bad things aren't going to happen. It's not that your kid's not going to become a drug addict. It's just that when stuff happens, they're equipped to cope. They're equipped to deal. They've and they're equipped it. to solve their own problems. Yeah. They've experienced it over and over and over again. They've learned the skill set. They've learned to bounce back. They've learned to, you know, decatastrophe it, you know, mm-hmm. and to analyze things. And there's a whole list of skills we learn uh, if we, by experience, which is a great way. If and we it can't it, come any other way. No. That's the thing. You can't fake that. No. It's not something you could just script and insert into yeah. your life uh, manually. Wouldn't that be it just, I mean, yeah. man. I mean. That would be a great pill to take if it could happen. <laughs> but really, I mean, again. That well, it will happen, but it kind of requires right? death, resurrection, all that other stuff. You know what? <laughs> someday. Someday. Yeah. someday. And again, I'll go back to 
It, it's about being able to be uncomfortable as a parent. Why is it so difficult, do you guys think, to be uncomfortable just as a parent? It. The minute I start to feel like, oh, you know, am I being a bad mom? And I instantly go back to, oh, no, I'm being a good mom. They're going to learn, you know, this and this and this, and they're going to experience, and you just flip it really fast when those little, the da- you know, yeah. and, and, and those usually come when your neighbor's going, you're having them do what, you know, mm-hmm. or your mom and dad are like, oh my goodness, they failed. And you're like, I know, isn't that wonderful? They're learning such great life experiences and, and they never know what to say. They're like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> good for you. Okay. I'm going to have to process this. But yeah. yeah, just flip your head immediately because it is easy to get tripped Well, up. and not just flipping your head because I totally agree with that. And also going back to what I was saying earlier, I think that saying it and articulating it to the child, hey, sweetheart, yeah. I'm really uncomfortable with this too. Like this is not, this is not easy for me. This yeah. is hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would rather you be comfortable. I would rather be comfortable. And so I feel like when we say say it like that and we actually tell them what we're feeling and what we're going through in our own mind it helps them to see the human element of like a parenting's hard and b well, and it's empathetic right it is empathy yeah, guys, you're totally they right they are children and so they're gonna say no you don't you don't really care if you really <laughs> love me you'd make me happy and give me all kinds of things like the neighbors do and so you know don't expect them to really react in an empathetic way i think it is important that we share it with them yeah <laughs> but oh, oh. and know your audience who you're dealing with because yeah, this is true it will take them a lot of years this to get true but I don't think that I would say those things and expect a reaction I would say those things for myself just just to be able to articulate and say hey like this is uncomfortable also for me we're on the same team here right it keeps you focused on on the same goal absolutely yeah Yeah. absolutely anyway I love that So much goodness. Don't you guys see why I'm obsessed with Mary Lee I get it. I get it. I get it. (laughs) I have to share one more nugget of wisdom. Uh, You won't remember this. I won't. We actually met each other more than five years ago. I know. I don't oh, even know if you know comes. this. Um, so <laughs> Marilee you. spoke um, at, at a church gathering okay. that I was at when I was very first married oh. a million oh, and one years ago. Interesting. And I was in the early part of marriage where I loved my husband. And we all know my husband's maybe the best human being on the earth. According and to far better, far, far better than I am. And he, um, but we got married and like the lovey feelings were, you know, starting to settle down. And... I was like coming to the realization, wow, we are seriously different in a lot of communication areas and expectations and dreams and desires. And it felt like, <laughs> oh, what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> and I went to this meeting because I panicked. I panicked because oh, wow. somewhere in my life I got this notion that like you come together in marriage and you're the same. And you have all the same oh, goals. Oh, we all get It's because that. you worked for Disney. I'm just going to say it. Oh, well, that's true. Actually, say it. I had never related You're that. You're welcome. That's exactly I, where that's you, from. You might seriously be right. I had some idealistic oh, weirdness happening in my head. <laughs> and I went to this, this church meeting, and Marilee was talking about marriage, and she said um, that marriage is like two puzzle pieces. You're not supposed to be good at the same things because when you come together, you fill in each other's cracks. Bam. And that is exactly how the me and my husband are. Gifts. We oh, comp our yeah. gifts complement each other mm-hmm. profoundly. Oh, so yeah. together, we cover all the bases. It only took me twenty years to learn that. I'm a well, little thank bit of a you slower. because you taught me that in your like two, and yeah. it changed oh, you lucky everything. Yes. Because I thought I don't have to be afraid of us not being on the same page because it's right. okay. Because we're not because supposed we are, to be. We're learning from each other. Well, and yeah. you quit demanding that he be like you. Exactly. 
or and thinking my way was the best way all the time. Well, that's true. That one's just a hard saying. one to let go. I'm just putting that yeah. out there. But yeah, and and I think that the same thing goes for our children. Um, yeah, each of our children brings strengths to our family and gifts mm-hmm. and skills that are different. Um, I I do a, a thing with I hold a bouquet of flowers and I talk about my first son was so much like me, and he was articulate. He still is, and we do politics together now and we write books together. I mean, you know, he was just like me, and I just like oh yay, you know. <laughs> and then the next kid was so opposite, and and so I'll grab the petals of the rose that is my first son and try to cram them in the second one. And I said I tried to get him to sit down and listen to me read books and you know have him take lessons and, da, 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 and I'm cramming him in, you know, and and then I say. I realized he's a daisy he's not a rose you know and and so I go through the next one I'm a little bit of a slow and by the last one I see a bud and I think oh wonder who you're going to be and, and I think mm-hmm. the same thing applies for our children instead of forcing them all to be a, in a certain way in a certain mold we can allow those uniquenesses and embrace them and say yippee look at this wonderful you know floral bouquet of a variety of flowers that you're bringing to our family um, and that also allows us to kind of let that independence flourish and not try to force kids into our own preconceived notions. I cannot think of a better way that to wrap beautiful. up this conversation because that is at the heart of everything. That is what we need to do in order to free ourselves of connecting yes. our worth and our value to the outcome or you know the results of anything that our kids do. Thank you so much for articulating it that way because that's, that's exactly man. I gotta like put a flower label on each of my kids now. Yeah. I gotta like do that because <laughs> you know. Or you could ask your kids to put their own flower label Ooh, on. That's a good one. Or or they fun. may not want to do flowers because two of them are. Well, I have four boys, so yeah, it was a little problematic, but it's <laughs> right. okay. But it's Love fun. It. Well, Marilee, thank you so very much sure. for carving out the time during your. You know, it's not like you had anything else going on. I in know. Your life. It's not I like know. you have eighty-seven full-time jobs and are changing the world every day. It's okay. But that thank you, thank fun. you for changing the world every day. Thank you for every book that you've written, every class that you've taught. People are going to ask, and we will we will link to this in the show notes and all that. But you mentioned specifically your first first book. What's the name of that? The Parenting Breakthrough, Training Your Children to Be Independent. Okay. Um, is available on Amazon. It's still selling like hotcakes after 15 years. Isn't no, that it's ridiculous? such a good one. Well, one little ridiculous. nugget is that's something so Mary cool. Lee did. I have to share this because it's awesome. Is every year her kids get older, one of their birthday presents is a new responsibility that they can learn. So you can get like a baking pan because now you're 13 and now you can make the brownies. So it's got a training chart from ages 3 to 18. So And it divides up all their life skills. And yeah, so, you know, if it was the tool year, they would get a thing of tools for their birthday. That is brilliant. Isn't that brilliant? And they learn all their skills and tools. You want to see your kids get excited in ways you never thought? You give them a shower caddy with their own toilet Isn't brush, rubber gloves, thing? and cleaner. <laughs> they the get happiest so children on the face of the planet. And I write their names on it, and I get mm-hmm. it in their color. And oh, it's bizarre. So hypothetically speaking, if one's children are say ten, thirteen, and sixteen, is it too late? Oh heavens, no, heavens no. So I'm reading no. this book tomorrow. I'm so, telling yes. you, it's and I sit down with the chart. And what's nice with the older kids is you say, "This is for you to become an adult." Let's cross off all the things you already know how to do, and they'll be so excited, like, "Oh, I can already do that! I can do that! Mm-hmm. I can That's do true. that!" And then you say, "Who do you want to teach you to learn this other stuff?" And you let them own it when they're older, and mm. they're like, "To them, it's just like, ooh, this is my path to adulthood." You know, yep. I can do really cool adult things. They love it. 
And that we took it a step so further. Cool. And one thing I'm just going to say as I'm telling you how to parent your children, um, with your oldest particularly, and one thing we've done with my oldest, who is a great leader and a wonderful firstborn, is we then took him and put him in the trainer role for some of the oh, younger siblings so. and, and helped them to see you know, how to, how to clean the toilet or how to do the bathroom or we would pair them up. And so they got to have that leadership role of training, which hello, Porter, totally best kid on the earth. I mean, he would, he'd be so great at that with, with, with with training and it put, it adds that extra dimension of like, Oh honey, you know what? I know you know how to do this so well and you're so good. Why don't you go ahead? And even though he may not have been the best toilet cleaner, you better believe because he's, he's now in a trainer up. role. My yes. husband he's was doing just it. telling my grandkids about their dad who trained all the other uncles on how to clean the bathroom because oh he was so good at it. And my grandkids were like, really? Dad doesn't really do that much anymore. <laughs> and we said, go back and ask dad, man. He was really an expert. Ask him to train you. Super awesome. Yeah, so that was the first book. Okay. And then the other one she's referring to, Strangling Your Husband is Not an Option. I, so good. I have heard of these. That, this is yeah. fantastic. Like, so I, you can get all my books on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, and we'll link, that was my next We're going to link to all, yeah, of, we'll them link to all of them. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's fantastic. It's all there. Very accessible. Very easy to find. Yep. And just Amazon. Google search my name if you want to get involved in any political craziness. Political <laughs> awesomeness and changing awesome. the world. If you want to change the world. Are you any, on any, any, any chance? Are you on social media or what do you think oh, is yeah, the yeah. best way I to... I live for... on Facebook. Okay. Mm-hmm. So people find you on Facebook mm-hmm. by searching just your name, Marilee Boyack? It, um, I have a short version. Marilee's hard to spell. So it's Mayor Boyack. M-E-R-R. Okay. Mayor, Mayor Boyack. Boyack. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how you can find her on Facebook. Everybody and his uncle is my friend. So I love it. We're friends. Just there. saying. That's mm. fantastic. I just want to wrap this up with one last thought. Yes, ma'am. Again, I'm going to reiterate. Maybe I'll have Marilee say it. Boy. Maybe will you just give them permission? Oh yeah, give you all those moms out there permission. You have permission to have the dirty, injured, oh, yeah. wonderful, happy, sometimes upset, thriving, yep. work in progress you children. Bet. It's going to be awesome. And you too. Guess what? You too. <sighs> yeah. You get permission to be a work in progress and learning as well. I just say that all the time. We're learning. I'm learning. What a wonderful thing. Instead of saying, you're screwing up, I just say, oh, you're learning, and I'm learning too. Friends, thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things that you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings you feel, and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on, and we look forward to being with you next week. Is there something about me that is funny looking? Yeah, it's you. You're funny looking. Okay, because <laughs> she can't seem to start without not giggling. You got this. It's oh, rolling. I totally got this. When you're ready. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Oh, I'm starting. Yeah, you're kicking it off. I thought you were kicking off and no. kicking it back to me. No. Remember? <laughs> That's what you're waiting for. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, because remember, we don't all yes, the intro banters it. later. Got it. Without, without taking up Marilee's time, because we'll, you know, we'll have fun with Same. that. Just wake me up when you're ready. I know. <laughs> Marilee's super excited. <laughs> I swear it's better once the ball gets rolling. Okay, here we go. Wait, pause it. We don't have an episode title. We don't need to. Remember, we record that later. Sorry, Claire. Just edit this out. Get your stuff together. Okay. (laughs)
Stop yelling at me, Becky. Jeez. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Mary Lee's gain is high. I don't know if I mentioned. Your she keeps gain. mentioning that my gain your is gain high. Is I think that's so insulting. Good. I'm just saying. <laughs> she could be a little more subtle about my it. My gain I'm was just, low. Just saying. She tried to turn my mic off. I saw it. My gain was really low. And see, her Becky gain is low. To, now she's bragging. Right. <laughs> Quite honestly, menopause has not been kind to me. So. Well, not even, honey. Hello. Cancer-induced menopause is not Remind my, not me which my cancer. I had cervical. But oh, it came like recall. really close to I was it was in one of my lymph nodes, so I had to do chemo and radiation. But, oh, you did. But I'm fine. Okay. 